I am so thankful that you are here to enjoy another episode of Whole Creations. Today I'll be interviewing Miss Sarah Elliott all the way from Orange County, California. I truly believe the topic of self-care that we're going to be discussing today is going to be very beneficial for your wealth, for your health, for your life. So here we go. You are now watching Whole Creations. Hello, everybody. My name is Ryan Odman, and here we are with another Whole Creations. I'm here with my friend, Miss Sarah Elliott, all the way in Orange County. What's up, Miss Sarah? <laughs> hey, everyone. My name is Sarah Elliott. I'm an occupational therapist, and I work with special needs students in the public school setting. So today we're going to talk about self-care because self-care is a really big topic. I really believe it's important for us to talk about self-care and why for our own mental health, spiritual, emotional health that we talk about this because it's a big topic that I feel like we don't really talk about in the workplace and how, yes, it is our own responsibility. However, I believe there needs to be more advocates that talk about this and why it should be highly motivating for us as workers in the field to do what we are made to do. Make sense, Ms. Sarah? Yeah, definitely. I totally agree with you, Ryan. What do the words self-care mean for you personally? I think in our current culture, one of the things that I think of, and I think that comes to a lot of people's minds when they hear self-care is kind of this commercial idea of self-care. So lots of images are conjured up of bubble baths and candles and a dimly lit room. And I think that self-care can be that. Um, but I actually think that that's a pretty superficial idea of self-care. I think when we um, are really serious about talking about self-care or examining self-care for ourselves, um, we need to maybe look beyond that, look beyond just um, leisure activity, because I think that self-care is more than just leisure activity. So for me, um, anything that's a self-care activity is something that's going to check a specific box. And what I mean by that is self-care should, um, self-care should fill your cup as it were. If you don't know what I mean by that is it should be something that genuinely provides you a sense of rest. Mm -hmm. Um, so even though something like, um, a bubble bath might sound nice and you might decide to give that a try, if you go and you take that bath, and you really still don't feel more rested or it, it didn't really um, help you in any particular way, then that's not really going to be something that's going to be considered self-care for you. Um, so I think when people are looking at self-care or their own self-care practices, it shouldn't just be something that's fun or it shouldn't just be a leisure activity. Um, some people might say, well, I love going to the movies. Um, and I might say that that's really fun and that's a, that's a fun leisure activity. But is that bringing you rest? Um, do you feel like that's um, allowing your body to rest, your mind to rest, um, your emotional state to come to a restful place um, before you approach the rest of your week or even the rest of your day. So I think we need to be a little bit more diligent, maybe um, intentional about how we approach the word self-care. Right. No, that's perfect. That's perfect. Because what self-care may mean for you, it may mean different for me. 
for somebody that may like walking a good hour distance and it's, it's, it's bringing them rest in a way that may not be the same for somebody that loves to go fishing. So exactly. So that everyone has their own way of doing self-care because I personally didn't know what self-care meant when I got into this field. So it could, it's different for everybody, whatever brings you rest, a sense of just knowing that, Hey, everything's all taken care of. I can just do this and, and, be at rest and do what I'm made to do, it changes everything. Yeah. And something else I wanted to add, um, just as I was thinking about this topic is I think there's also, um, things that can be considered self-care that we might not think about. And what I mean by that is I think when we think of self-care, we think of like a specific, again, leisure type activity or relaxation activity. But I think that there are other things that can be considered self-care. For example, um, the practice of setting boundaries, I think that that can be self-care, whether that's boundaries with your personal time, boundaries with how much time you spend with with people, certain people, how much time you spend um, at your place of business, your your work. I think all of that can can be self-care when you say or when you find that um, you can only contribute so much and and, um, realizing that in yourself, not as a limitation, but as an understanding that, um, for example, you might say, wow, you know, I find that if I spend um, too much social time on the weekends, I'm actually more drained. So it's self-care to say, um, you know, maybe I'm only going to uh, spend time with friends every other weekend, or maybe in the in the work setting, you find, wow, when I allow myself to work late consecutive nights um, a week or multiple weeks in a row, that that I'm really emotionally drained. I'm really physically drained. Um, I'm losing some stamina for my work, or I'm losing some of my passion for my work. I think it's self care to say, you know what. I'm done at five or five thirty or six o'clock. That's my leave time, and I need to be done. Even if it means there's some work that I'm going to have to do tomorrow morning, but it's self care to set those boundaries for yourself and say I need to leave, and I need to be done with my work for today um, because that's going to really create that defined space for you. Again, whether it's personal or professional, I think even things like setting boundaries um, can be a form of self care, and I think that that's that's a healthy practice. That's amazing. No, that's, wow. That's amazing that you shared all that because boundaries, and and I I come from a place of not always knowing to know when to say no or yes and letting my yes be yes, my no be no. So when it comes to hanging out with friends, sometimes I don't know why I may feel obligated to be like, Hey, like I need to be there for this person or yeah, it's, but the thing is I got to realize is this friendship actually helping me in improving my own life or is it actually taking away where, because I may not know when to say no, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's a really great point. That's a really great point. And I think that that brings in another aspect um, that that can kind of be translated into the same word, but it's just also like self-discipline. I think that there are, our friends are great and we may have really healthy relationships, but even healthy relationships can um, take an unhealthy place when we feel like we need to um, 
um, be more physically present or emotionally present, mm-hmm. or we need to be, um, there's kind of that phrase, we need to be everything to everybody. And that's not necessarily a, a healthy place. So again, creating those boundaries, creating um, those rules for yourself and really taking the time to find that for yourself. Because again, like you, you started out with the, at the beginning of, uh, of the session here is that what's the same for you is not necessarily going to be the same for me. You know, I might be able to um, spend more social time than somebody else. Um, I might, I might need more alone time than somebody else. Mm-hmm. So finding that and taking the time wherever you are in your life um if you're a teen or if you're in your 20s, 30s, um, have your, if you're an empty nester, you know, really taking the time to realize what is that bar for me and, and look, take a look at it on multiple levels. What's that bar socially for me? What's that bar um, with alone time for me? What's that bar with exercise, workplace, whatever it can be and, and, and really explore what that is. And I think when you figure that out and you put that into practice, you'll see some, some really healthy rhythms kind of take, take root. Is it safe to say that as seasons change, as life goes on, as years change, then our self-care routines are going to change? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I think you have to find self-care practices that fit that season and that stage of life. And I'm someone who uh, has had to redefine that every time there's been a shift. So some some transitions and shifts might be um, going from high school into college living from, uh, going from a place of living from at home with your, with your family uh, to living alone. These types of things change your patterns and your routines, and you have to find um, practices that fit. So for example, um, pre-COVID shutdown, um, going out on the weekends with my friends was a great self-care practice for me. It was something I could look forward to. Um, at the time I had an annual pass to Disneyland. A lot of my friends did as well. We made active plans, regular plans to meet up. We would do dinner, things like that. And after the shutdown, um, I went virtual with, with a lot of my students in our sessions and I found myself spending a lot of time sitting. And of course we weren't going to Disneyland, things like that. Um, and I had to redefine that self-care. Um, also with restaurants being shut down, down, a lot of us taking precautions. Um, I didn't. I didn't have that typical social outlet. Um, so what it looked like for me is um, redefining my my exercise routine, um, and also creating boundaries at work. So for many. Um, many uh, healthcare providers or allied healthcare providers might be able to. Um, kind of resonate with this is that, you know, when we had the shutdown, those lines of being on the clock and off the clock really blurred because I was at home. So I could definitely just continue working later into the evening because it didn't, there wasn't a defined start and stop where you might typically clock into work, clock out of work, get into your car, drive to and from work. That Those are um, physical boundaries that define your workspace. So not having that, I think, made um, creating those boundaries even more important. And so I found myself needing to create those boundaries of saying, you know what, even though I'm at home, whenever I get to this point in the evening, I'm done. And whatever work I have was going to have to be um, put on to the next day. And then I went and I would work out. And so um, working out was so important, especially over COVID, because it allowed me to, A, get outside. A lot of us just spent 
copious amounts of time inside indoors because um, of, of regulations, whether that be county or state um, national regulations, things like that, um, that kept us indoors. But also it just, it gave me a physical outlet. I think we don't, um, we don't consider um, the benefits of physical movement outside of just um, trying to lose weight or, or shape our bodies in a certain way. So it really gave me kind of a um, an outlet to not only physically get healthy, um, but to um, kind of walk out my stress or my frustration or um, kind of let go of, of any of the emotions of the day, whether those were good emotions or, you know, I'd made some mistakes. I was beating myself over, uh, up, up over things like that. So yeah, I think that that was a really great way that I had to adjust in the kind of post COVID world. So, and then when I'll go back, when I'll go back in person, that'll, that'll readjust again. So I'll, I'll have to figure that out in the future as well. Right. No, for sure. Wow. This is good. I'm really excited. I'm really excited. And thank you for sharing your experience with that. Prior to working in the special needs field, workers need to understand what is self-care and make sure they have their own self-care routine. Mm -hmm. Do you believe this is true? Why or why not? Yeah, I think absolutely. Anyone who wants to go into um, healthcare um, care for special needs individuals or differently abled individuals really needs to have, if nothing else, just a sense of what health, uh, what self-care is um, in general, what it might be for them. Um, and I would just say to have a, sort of a mental flexibility about, about that area. Um, because just as I mentioned, it's going to change. It's going to change in different seasons of your life. So whether you're someone who always already has a self-care practice or you don't, um, to have that flexibility, to know that this is something that probably needs to be an integral part of your life. Um, and then to step into whatever your workplace or your workspace is and to say, okay, um, this is how I'm feeling or this is how I come home on any given day. I'm tired or I find that I'm emotionally drained or I find that um, I consistently come home with um, feelings of um, exhaustion or frustration, checking in with yourself um, and having that emotional awareness. And this is all things that just, um, they take time uh, in life to, to, to hone those skills um, of, of checking in with yourself, checking in with your emotions, and then creating practices or setting yourself up with practices that help with those. And um, I would really encourage anybody who's who's listening to this and saying, okay, look, like, yeah, self-care was like the bubble bath and candles, you know, kind of some kind of self-care, but I don't really have time or I don't have like a space to do anything big. I would really encourage them to recognize that sometimes self-care is just boundaries is just space, space away from people, um, time by yourself. Sometimes self-care is small things like being able to take a breath, take a pause, reorient yourself. I think all of those things can, can count as self-care. And so I would absolutely encourage anybody who's going into this field, um, again, on any kind of level, wherever that place, that place is for them, um, to look into self-care and what it looks like for them. Um, and I think there will be themes with people as well. Some people might feel like physical type activities are self-care. Some people might feel like 
emotional type practices are self-care, but knowing yourself and knowing what direction you need to go with in your self-care practice, I think is going to be huge um, with being able to adjust and move with whatever your workplace or even personal personal life needs and, and events, whatever kind of comes, you'll be able to adjust and shift. So yeah, absolutely. If you're going into this field or any, any helping profession, I'd like to make it pretty broad. You know, you need to have um, an idea at least of what kind of um, self-care practices are right for you. Right. That is very true because like I said at first, I didn't know what self-care was um, honestly when I first got into the field back in 2017. Yeah. And from that place, it kind of set me up for in a way failure because I yeah. was saying yes to too many things. And like, I don't know if you've ever seen Yes Man with Jim Carrey. There was always this constant like need to say yes to everything. Yeah. And, and I got burnt out and then yeah, people, absolutely. Got, people got um, uh, uh, upset. Yeah, because sure. It was um, just me saying yes to everything. And like you said, it takes time. It's a daily uh, discipline, a daily practice. And the more that you get to know yourself, the more easier it is to know when to say no and to know when to say yes. And it's interesting because like, once you figure out what works for you, there is always that shift where, okay, now I gotta reevaluate this. Mm -hmm. But it, the more that the years go, the more easier it's gonna be to know how to reevaluate what kind of self-care you need, whether exactly. it's getting your nails done or whatever, it, it's yeah. gonna be different for everybody. So. Exactly. I would just add one more thing to encourage people. I think also um, to your point about setting boundaries and kind of saying no, um, I would just really encourage people, whether that's professionally or personally, you want to be in relationships um, where people respect your boundaries. So I think sometimes we um, can build up fears related to um, rela related to saying no. So I think it takes a lot of strength and courage um, to go to someone, maybe like a supervisor and say, um, I need to leave every day by this time. Mm -hmm. And I'm um, not in a good place or I um, have been um, at a detriment because I'm, I'm, I'm actually staying too late and, and um, it's, mm -hmm. it's not been healthy for me. And and recognizing that what your supervisor says and what your your bosses say, um, how they respond is going to be a big factor um, for you. And if you get a positive response and someone who's on your team and who wants to support you, that's a place of business that you want to be part of. Um, but you, if you get a negative response and someone who wants to um, put down your needs or doesn't want to acknowledge or value um, your desire for rest and for balance, then you might want to take into account, you know, those, those types of responses. Mm -hmm. And again, same thing, even on the personal side, you know, if you have friends who are really going to come after you and put you down or um, make you um, uh, kind of sorry for, for wanting your own space and things like that, then maybe even looking into kind of reevaluating those relationships and, um, and asking yourself if those are healthy positions to be in, um, relationships to be in. So, yeah. So nurturing healthy relationships, again, whether that's professionally or personally, um, for people who are and entities and businesses that are going to respect your boundaries. Heck yeah. No, that's good because there's that fear of 
well, if this happens, if I, if I do stand up for myself, how will that person respond? And that's not you being true to who you are, to yourself. And that, that's, that's draining. That's a draining place to be. And I feel like we've all been in that place where there's this fear of like, well, if I advocate for myself, if I say this, what will, how will this person respond? And then there's that fear. So it comes with the determination that, hey, for my own well-being and for others involved, exactly. I'm going to advocate this. And if I don't get the right response, then so be it. I'm going to move forward with where I'm, I need to go, where the, the vision and the destiny that I need to go. Yeah, that's really good, Ryan. No, that's what that's really good for you. We're, <laughs> we're both like getting something good. Yeah. So, okay. Next one. Why is it important for parents? And we're both not parents for those who are listening, but I just thought and fell in my heart that maybe this can be beneficial for any parents out here as we're, because we've worked with parents. We've met different families in our past experience of working in this field. Why is it important for parents who have loved ones with, with special needs to have their own personal self-care routine? Go. <laughs> I think any parent, um, any parent of a child or individual with special needs or different abilities um, already knows that they need self-care practice. Um, I don't think they need to be told. <laughs> um, I think, I just think that, um, as uh, as any person steps into parenthood, that there's not necessarily this expectation um, that your child is going to have special needs. So, so navigating, I think those first few years of life, um, mm-hmm. again, whether that's um, a biological child or an adoptive child with with um, different or special needs, and then realizing the kind of care that they need. Um, it's actually in those crucial first few years um, that I would just really encourage parents um, to set up their own boundaries. And that's that's so hard. Um, I, I, I really want to to stop and just say to parents, you know, um, I'm not here to preach to you. Um, as Ryan mentioned, you know, neither of us are parents. I'm not speaking from a place of experience. Um, I, I'm speaking from a place of observation. And I think that um, it can be really easy for parents to try to be filling all of these gaps between medical appointments, um, prescription change appointments, therapy-based appointments, um, all of the the complete range of kind of care that that these individuals, these children need, um, and then it, the ball is moving so fast that the thought of um, of adding self care can kind of seem ridiculous. Honestly, um, I think also a lot of parents struggle with failings of. Um, guilt, um, that taking time away from themselves is selfish. Um, and that they, I really want to encourage you if you're listening to this and this is how you feel that, that, that is absolutely not the case. Um, that, um, you can't give all of yourself to your child, um, when your cup is already drained. Um, and that actually it's, it's selfless to spend some time for yourself so that you can continue to be, um, a parent who's fully there and a hundred percent on board with your kid. And I think that that's, I get those feelings. I really get those feelings of, 
of not wanting to sacrifice time away from your child or feeling like other people cannot take care of your child to the best ability that you can. Um, and I understand those feelings. I want to, I want to let parents know that as service providers, we, we understand that and we get that. Um, but that we can't have healthy students if we don't have healthy parents as well. Um, and I think that this also kind of brings up another topic of just, um, a huge need, I think in, in, in this world. And I guess I would say across the spectrum of caregivers. So whether you're um, a caregiver to a young person with different or special needs, or you're a caregiver of an elderly person, um, is that our society needs to do better with um, community care, with hospice care, um, respite care. Um, I think that, uh, the community at large sees families with um, special needs students, special needs children, um, and they don't know what to do. I, I, I think that the intention is there and the, the well-wish and the well-meaning is there, but I don't think that the community uh, broadly knows what to do. And I don't think that those services really truly exist to the extent that families need them. So I would just encourage people, if you don't have a child with special needs, but you know a family um, who is raising a child with special needs or different abilities, different needs, just reach out to them and say, hey, um, you know, can I grab your groceries this week? Sometimes it's for families, it's like um, errands having to leave the home or big deal. Um, or saying, hey, you know what? Um, maybe they have other kids. Maybe they're a larger family saying, can I take your, um, your three other children out? You know, so you have a couple of less kids to take to take to watch for the next couple of hours just give moms and dads um, parents anybody grandparents family members that that moment to kind of take a breath um, and I think we need better um, groups and organizations reaching out and providing these services on a regular basis um, for families and it's again I would really encourage people it's it's a spectrum of anything I mean it can be bringing people a meal, offering to do some housework. Um, can I do a load of dishes for you? Can I do some loads of laundry? Can I clean your bathrooms? Can I vacuum your floors, mop your floors? Um, offering to watch the children uh, yourself um, and, and, and be a carer for a few hours. Um, and so I just think that um, along with encouraging parents of special needs uh, children to develop their own self-care practices. Um, I think we also need to meet them there as well and say, yes, absolutely. We want to encourage them in that, but we also need to meet them at a place of saying, we also want to be helping. We also want to step into your life and, and be there. Um, not as people that you see once a week or occasionally, they just kind of say hi and leave. Um, but that, you know, really, um, faithful friendships and relationships um, are built on people who are willing to kind of step into the gap and meet those needs. So I would just really, really encourage you again, if you are a family member or a friend or a neighbor, even of somebody who is special needs or differently able, just ask. And I think that these families have such gratitude as well when you just ask. And again, it's probably something very small and something that might seem insignificant to you, but it can mean all the difference. And if we, um, if we had a community of people that were willing to meet our families and our children in this place, I think it would honestly make um, this process 
uh, not only easier and less stressful, but I think that it would really increase understanding. Because that's another thing too, is there's such a, a gap of understanding, right? So a lot of people kind of look from the outside inward and they go, well, that family has a child who's on the spectrum or that child family has a child who has um, cerebral palsy and like, wow, they have those like arm braces. What is that about? And and so when we step into those gaps and we're willing to meet needs, um, our, our understanding and our um, compassion grows. And I, I just think that that can only lead to um, a more well-rounded and better society. That's, uh, oh, you're preaching. <laughs> in a good way, in a good way. Um, no, that's, that's really good. And I didn't even realize this. So there's a family that I met from a church in San Bernardino. And um, I've had the amazing gift to stay in touch with this family um, throughout the years, and I'm not going to give their names away, but right. um, I went to breakfast with them and their son yesterday, and it was a great time. We had such an enormous, amazing time, and the dad kept telling me, you know, you just hanging out with me has, has been a, is a big blessing, not just for mm-hmm. my son, but for me, Ryan. And like, I, I don't even know what, what may be going on in his life, but just you being there for somebody, taking the time to be there with somebody, doesn't have to be a big gesture. It doesn't have to be you exactly. um, going all these places, but just being with that person or you texting that person, like Sarah said, shared, it makes it makes a huge difference when you're, yeah. just, when you're just taking the time out of your day, when you're fully rested, to be there for other people. Things change. People's lives are changed when you just step out and just be there for people with just one small little gesture it changes definitely and like i like how you shared that they're not disabled but they're differently enabled i I like i love that i love that so much sarah because that's so true because yeah no matter um no matter the diagnosis no matter the label we have to realize that these these kids these these young adults they bring such life just in a different way and when we learn to open our eyes and for us as Jesus Christ believers, we, our compassion grows and people all around it, it, it just speaks to them volumes when we learn to just step out of the boat and just be there for, for one another, one seed at a time. Exactly. Exactly. And that just not to go down a rabbit hole, but that's, um, such a big part of occupational therapy. If you're listening to this and you're like, I'm back at the beginning where she introduced herself as an occupational therapist. What is that about? Um, Occupational therapists look at people's activities of daily living. It looks, look at their, um, their um, career um, job description, their job duties, their educational duties, their um, relationship duties, things like that, um, and tasks. And um, we help people to um, be better able to perform those, um, whether that's making adaptations in their environment or to their um, their activities, that actually modifying the activity, mm-hmm. or if it's um, being able to modify um the different uh, strategies that they have or the tools that they use, things like that. Um, but what I, what I wanted to say about that is that we really try to look at people um, from a strengths-based perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of times, especially for people on the outside kind of looking in, um, again, without that understanding, uh, they're kind of looking from a place of a uh, limits 
focused perspective of let's make a long laundry list of the things that this person cannot do. Um, and ultimately that practice is futile. Um, it doesn't help the person. Um, it's really an inaccurate and incomplete per- picture of that person. And um, that can be really hurtful um, to that person when, if those, if those limitations or those uh, types of things are expressed towards that individual. So as an occupational therapist, it's part of my job to um, examine when I meet somebody new or a new student, um, I, I have that diagnosis. I have maybe some of those, um, some of those difficulties down, but it's my job um, to look at the whole person um, the whole creation as it were <laughs> and um and take a strengths-based approach okay we're having struggles in this area but actually you already know how to do this and you already know how to do this and you already know how to do this which you're going to need to know for that activity that we're learning so when i think when we start to look at people from a strengths-based approach instead of a deficits-based approach we can um we can adapt and modify the tasks that they need to do. And actually we start to see the potential of things that people can do instead of focusing on that laundry list over here of things that it seems like they, they can't do or they'll never be able to do. So I would just encourage anybody, whether it's kind of a, a parent or somebody from the outside kind of looking in who's just absolutely new to this is um, whenever you meet somebody who is just differently abled from yourself, I mean, from, anything, anything really, um, try to take a strengths-based approach. Just at, start asking yourself, what are all the different things that they can do? And really see, um, open your eyes, I would say, to the potential and the beauty of, of that person and, and all, of their, all of their amazing and different and special capabilities. No, for sure. Wow. Um, so I don't, think, I don't think you realize how amazing um, all the responses you've given just so you know. Oh, great. I'm great. Not, I'm not trying to sugarcoat you and make you feel, but honestly, no, you're, you have been a really big blessing and I really can't wait to see what the responses of all the audience that, that hear this, because it's true. Like we need to focus more on the strengths. And I think the reason why we may focus on the weaknesses, the limitations, all these things, it's a lack of self-care on the individual's part. Because when, we, when we're able to take care of ourselves and be there for ourselves, it makes it so much easier to be looking at the positives in other people and what, sure. they, what they're meant for. And yeah, so no, I definitely like this a lot. And I can't wait to see what to what the audience, how they're going to respond to all this. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And also just placing your expectations on other people. I think sometimes we come at other people and we go, okay, they can't do X, Y, and Z. It's coming from a place of us placing our expectations on them um, as well. So just always asking yourself, if you run into somebody and you're really seeing limitations, 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 are you placing your expectations onto them? Um, Are you taking steps to increase their access um, and their adaptability as well? And so um, that's another huge passion of mine. I know we won't get into that today, but that concept of access, um, are we finding ways to help people with different needs access this environment, their environment, whether that's professionally, personally, um, and uh, are we doing what we need to do as a community to open that access? But I digress, getting back to self-care. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad that you had me on, Ryan, and that we were able to kind of dialogue about this a little bit further. All right. Well, I'm going to end us off. Thank you so much, everyone, for watching, and we will see you next week on Whole Creations. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>